Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 33rd time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. It is raining over here in Japan, so um, unfortunately I am doing my best to keep all the external sound out, but it's not sounding as good as I would like. So again, my apologies. So um, before we get started today, I wanted to remind everyone, in case they hadn't listened to last week's episode, that next week we will be having not one, but two creator episodes. So from now on, creator episode weeks, we'll have one on Tuesday and one on Friday. So please look out for the next two episodes, 34 and 35, coming next week. And in those weeks, I also will not be doing news updates or updates about what I've been watching just to make things a little bit more fair and stuff. And it just so happens that there really isn't any news this week either that I could find. So if anything comes up in the next week or so, then don't expect to hear about it in detail until the week after next. That is all I have to say about that, but I am looking forward to sharing these episodes with you. Both should be pretty interesting. I think there's nothing else I have to share for this segment of the podcast. Though this week, again, there is no news, but I do want to talk about all the shows I've been watching. So for the record, I'm about to finish a whole bunch of shows, so in two weeks you're going to have some very interesting (laughs) updates on that front. But for now, I wanted to talk about some other shows that I'm in the middle of. So first, I watched Star Darlings. So if uh, you're not familiar with Star Darlings, this is kind of a multimedia franchise that existed from 2015 to 2017. So unfortunately, it is such that in order to get the full story, you have to kind of consume a bunch of different types of media. So there is a book series and there's also a web series. And there were also some TV specials as well, if I'm um, recalling correctly. And uh, unfortunately, I do not have access to those as far as I know. I should probably check Disney Plus just in case. But as far as I know, the only thing I can access at the moment, before I buy the books, which I am interested in buying, are the web series. So I watched all of the web series. I actually had watched most of it before, back when it was airing, because I was very into this series. It is very cute, and even now the art style still holds up. I appreciate very nice 3D animation, and it's also very colorful. So yeah, I do recommend you checking it out. It's really, really short because it's a web series. But of course, uh, to get the full context of the story, the web series is not enough. You would have to read the books as well, and the books never finished. But yeah. Okay, next, I have been continuing my watch of Mermaid Melody, Peach Peachy Peach. I'm um, about two thirds of the way in, so I'm finishing the next third soon. I'll be watching more today, actually. Yeah, it's uh, getting to the reveal of the the true villain, as it were, and um, some of my favorite music as well. I'm not sure if I will be re-watching the second series just yet. I think I'm a little overwhelmed. I do prefer the second season to this first season in terms of the story arcs and stuff, but 
I do still think that there are certain things about the first season that I really enjoy. Yes, let's see. Oh, I've been watching Princess Tutu. I'm near the end. I think I have five episodes or six episodes left to watch, so we're really getting there. I believe I'll be finished next week, so it's very exciting because, again, I have managed to live my life spoiler-free. It's very interesting to notice some different um, connections and so on. For example, there is a reference that I saw to A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare, which... If I had watched the show at the time of airing, I would not have understood this reference at all because I didn't read that particular play until college, I believe. In fact, I don't think I read any Shakespeare until high school. But yeah, I only vaguely knew the story because of teen movies. Uh, (laughs) Okay, and then just quickly to wrap up the Precure series that I've been watching, of course, as always, watching Tropical Rouge Precure. Last week's episode was super fun. I really enjoyed it. And I've also been continuing my watch through of Yes Precure 5. So I'm nearly finished with that series as well. And um, I also started another Precure season this week, Star Jingle Precure. So this is the 2019 season. Basically, Since I moved to Japan, I ended up at a job which made it actually more difficult, ironically, to watch Precure because I was working on Sunday morning. I realized last year that there is a nice little app and website called Tiver for folks like me who cannot watch it on Sunday mornings, and so I started to watch Hilinga Precure in the afternoon on my phone on this app, and then doing the same thing this year with Tropical Roost Precure at first, but now I don't work on Sundays at all, which is nice. So usually I do still watch it on TV. But that being said, those previous years, I basically just could not watch any Precure at all unless I wanted to rent the newer seasons as they came out on DVD. But I was busy regardless, so I didn't watch them. So for that reason, when it came to Star Twinkle Precure, I did not watch many episodes, so what happened was um, that was the first year that I felt comfortable watching a movie for Precure. And so uh, what I did was I went to YouTube because I think it's either the Precure official channel or the Toei official channel, I'm not sure which, has a few episodes of each season of Precure. So like, for example, if you live in Japan, you can watch the first episode of any season for free online on YouTube. So that's pretty cool. In the case of Star Twinkle Precure, they only had a handful of episodes. I believe it was basically the first episodes for each cure, their debut episode, as it were. So I watched all of those. And it just so happens that actually I was just mentioning this on Discord. But for this season, the only day that I was able to watch this series live on TV was the debut episode of the mid-season cure of this season. It was interesting because I had no context, but thoroughly enjoyed the episode regardless. And um, yeah, so this time around, like, I know some of the spoilers, but it's still kind of interesting to get some more details of the season. So I uh, am just starting to slowly watch through those, and I will focus more on that after I finish watching... Yes, Precure 5, and oh, the other one I need to finish is Hug Precure. I'll be finishing that soon. And finally, I got to watch one more volume of Miracle Tunes. So this one is the Tokusatsu series, the first of the Girls X Heroine series. And 
Oh my goodness, I am really enjoying the show. It's really special, I think, in terms of how it handles magical girls in a way that's very different from what is possible in animation. Not to say that you couldn't have a story like Miracle Tunes animated, but there's something about the fact that it is live action that makes it more interesting, I would say. So, you know, for a while it was kind of seeming a little simple in its story. You know, you have these girls, they're transforming and going through, like, just through their dance sequences, they are fighting. But over time, it kind of started to feel a little stale, but uh, I enjoyed the characters as well and the storyline of like them becoming idols and so on is, is very cute. That being said, uh, after watching this third volume, things are starting to amp up a little bit, uh, no pun intended, where now they are getting power-ups and each power-up is inspired by a different genre of music. So when they use their different items or different powers, they actually get to also enjoy uh, new techniques, new styles. So for example, the first one they got was the hip hop jewel. So they did a kind of basically a rap battle, which was, I mean, it was very goofy. You know, this is very much a kid's show, but it was very fun to watch. <laughs> and then after that, they got the rock jewel. And so they looked super cool in their new rock outfits. And then they got the Techno Jewel, and I want to say that one, the style definitely looks inspired by a certain three-person Technopop group, but yeah. With that kind of amping up of things, I started to really get to enjoy it even more than I did originally. So I am looking forward in my spare time to watching more Miracle Tunes. Uh, if you watch any of these series, I'd love to hear what you think as well. But yeah. <laughs> So um, I guess that is going to be all since there's, again, no news to share today. I did want to mention, actually, now that I think about it, it's not exactly news per se, but I have noticed generally more increased promotion of old Shigokyara stuff. We actually did talk about Shigokyara in its second season a few weeks ago, but I also had mentioned, of course, there was an update to the uh, comic. There's a new edition of the comic series with a few additional materials. And that's pretty exciting for Shigokata fans. And um, actually just this week, I, I got an advertisement myself for this and ended up falling for the advertisement, I suppose, because I purchased it. But on the Japanese texting app line, there were new stickers added for the Shigokyara comic series. So that's pretty interesting as well. And uh, until last week, they had available online the entire first season of Shigokyara on YouTube to watch in um, videos that were three episodes each. So those have just been taken down because that was until the 13th, but it was very interesting to see that was there. And so it does feel like there's this intention of uh, trying to kind of rekindle that passion for Shigokara that old-time fans probably have, and also try to bring in new fans as well. Nothing to say about it except just, it's interesting that they're doing that, because it makes me wonder, why? Is there going to be something new in the future? So that is everything for that, and now we can get into today's topic. So today's episode has been a long time coming. 
This is literally something that's been mentioned since the very first episode of the podcast. This is Ojemajo Doremi, also known as Magical Doremi. So this is the witchling musical themed, very, very cute series from, well, the original series started in 1999. And today we're going to be talking about just the first season of the series. But it wasn't dubbed into English until 2005 by 4Kids Studios. Today we're going to be talking about both the first season as a whole as well as the English treatment of the series. This was actually something that we had planned to have even earlier on on the podcast. Due to an emergency, we had to reschedule that episode. My guest for this episode is John, also known as Hero Kibs Online. They're a creator of their own, so uh, we'll hear a little bit about their own original series, but mostly they're just a big fan of Magical Girls. They're also available in the Discord, so you can talk to them about Doremi and other things on the Discord server if you are there, uh, but you can talk to them online regardless. And yeah, um, it was very, very fun to talk to them about their experience with this series. And uh, I hope to have them again on the podcast soon. They're super cool. Unfortunately, because there are some negative aspects to the series, I do have to bring in a bit of a trigger warning, just in case. Due to some of the topics of the show, I have to give you a trigger warning for discussions of animal death, child abuse at the hands of a parent, and pedophilia. Yeah, it sounds really rough when you say it that way, especially because we also talked about at least one of those things last week as well. No show is perfect, unfortunately, but this is, you know, one of those things that just kind of happens a lot with a kid's show. And especially if you're looking in the past, you're going to start to notice more and more of the same things. Uh, Unfortunately, these topics are probably going to come up again on the podcast, but just know that when it comes to the discussions of the episodes, the latter two will not be discussed until we get into the issues with the TV series. So there is no non-awkward way to explain that, so I'll leave it there. And I do sincerely hope that you enjoyed this chat, and if you don't already watch the series, I highly recommend it. It is super fun, and since our recording, I was also able to watch a little bit of the English dub, and it is adorable. Oh my goodness. If you listen carefully, you might hear a little bit of an Easter egg for a future bonus episode, so that will be fun. Great. So with that, let's go to the conversation with me and John Smith about Ojemajo Doremi or Magical Doremi. So today we're going to be talking about Ojemajo Doremi or Magical Doremi originally started in 1999 to 2000. It's a very large series but just the first season for today and I'm very excited for our guest. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm John. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to talk about Doremi finally. (laughs) Yes, you were supposed to come on a little bit earlier this year, but uh, things happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't have to get into them, but just needed to reschedule and now you're here. So uh, it's great, actually, because I was able to get more time to finish watching every single episode. 
Once again, we're talking about a Junichi Sato series. He comes up a lot. He's kind of one of the magical girl masters, I would say, of our generation. <laughs> um, and this is a series that started as an animated series. It's not adapted from anything, and it's by Toei Animation. So I think in a lot of ways, you can make a lot of comparisons to current shows like that, like Precure and so on.、Mm. But yes, let's get to know you a little bit better, John. So,、uh, what is your history with the magical girl genre? I would say I've been a fan of magical girl shows my whole life. I'd say my first magical girl show was the Powerpuff Girls. I consider it that because it, it, they are, they're magical girls.、Mm-hmm. Sure. And then the next one I watched was Winx Club and then Sailor Moon. And then it just kept going and going until now. <laughs> Great. And what is your history with Doremi in particular? Doremi, I found it by chance when I was just looking for stuff to watch on this now defunct website, 4kids.tv. <laughs> At the time, it was just 4kids, I guess, was kind of like losing a lot of their licenses and they were just trying to hold everything together. So they just uploaded their, their entire catalog、mm-hmm. online and then they were just able to watch. So I'd just sit there and I'd watch. Everything and then Doremi was like this cute witch show, so I clicked it and I just I fell in love with it instantly. I watched it constantly, like every day up until I got to the ending.、Hmm, I see. So,、um, was your first time watching it in English then? Yes, it was. Okay, great. We will definitely、uh, talk about those differences in a minute, but I'm assuming that later on you got to watch it in Japanese.、Mm-hmm. I think I was like. 12, and I was like, what happened with that? What was that show called? And then I found out that it was a Japanese show because I didn't know that because I was so little at the time. Sure. I was so shocked to find out there were other seasons. So it's only the first season that was dubbed into English? Yes. I think it didn't do well here because only、mm. 26 episodes ever aired on TV. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's very interesting. Yeah. Because, like, it's definitely. Like when you talk about four kids, it's definitely in the conversation. So it's just interesting that it's one of those shows that just didn't make it.、Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's very interesting because I could kind of understand the show very much is in line with the kind of original witch legacy of, you know, especially the more traditional 60s and 70s magical girls before we started getting into the fighting types. Which are much bigger these days. And、mm. yeah, it was、um, definitely originally,、uh, you can even see in the way that the whole storyline goes, the main storyline, that it was originally meant to finish off in one season if necessary. But it was just such a big success in Japan that they were able to keep going and going and going. And this is a series that is technically never stopped in terms of its storylines because、uh, even if it wasn't animated, later on there were novels and comics. And up to and including last year, we had the Looking for Magical Doremi movie that、uh, I unfortunately have not gotten to watch yet. Why do you think that、uh, you love this series so much? For me, I remember when I was a kid, I just loved the magic and the, you tap the thing and the outfit appears above your head and you have to put it on. I just loved every aspect of it. Like, I wanted to be、um, an Ojimajo, I wanted to be a witchling as a kid.、Hmm. Yeah, that, that's definitely a very interesting, distinct aspect of this particular series. Of course, anyone familiar with Magical Girls knows that the transformation sequence, especially by this point, Seems pretty much a necessity of a series. <laughs> But in this case, we have a series that 
they take it to a different level where you press the button and it's like, okay, it's time to transform, but you have a time limit. And if you don't get dressed in time, well, you couldn't turn into a witch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that part was very interesting. And, um, you know, the transformation itself is very basic. It's just trying to get into the dress. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Mm-hmm. And then everything else kind of appears by magic. And um, it's also, you know, like other Witchling series, it's very much a series where there's no particular limit exactly. I mean, there are like rules to the magic, but in terms of what they could try to do with the magic, they generally are very creative. Yeah, that was another big thing. Like I felt like, oh, they can do anything. And I also just like that they helped people a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Basically, the premise is very interesting, even from the start. Because we have, um, we start with uh, our main character, Doremi Harukaze. And she does want to be a witch, but she doesn't realize that they're real. But one day she spots a witch and she says, oh, you're a witch. And apparently in this world, if a witch is caught being a witch, she turns into a frog. Though it doesn't quite look like a frog exactly. (laughs) It has to do with the style. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still, it's a frog, a witch frog, and uh, some witches never turn back into their regular form. But in order to become a witch again, she has to train up an apprentice into becoming a full-fledged witch. So the whole goal of the series, and eventually Dormi gets her two friends, Hazuki and um, Aiko, into it. Eventually her younger sister ends up getting wrapped up into it, Mm. Pop. And then finally, uh, they also meet another uh, witchling, Ompu, who is a witchling for another magical frog. And she's also very interesting. Basically, they have to keep taking different level tests to finally achieve the status of becoming a full-fledged witch. And yeah, there are lots of interesting rules. This is a series that's very much for uh, selling toys. And you can see that very much in the designs of the magic items. But they are all very cute and have lots of little buttons and things. And I do think that one aspect that's very interesting for the apprentices, these witch apprentices, is that they have to be very careful about how they use their magic because it's very limited. They have to literally spend, well, they're called a majotama in the Japanese version. I don't know what they would have been called uh, in English, but... In the English dub, they were called um, spell drops. That's adorable. Um, I love yeah. that. That's great. <laughs> Kudos to the translator for that. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, they have to spend them. They're basically, they look almost like little candies and they have to spend them in order to use any magic. And so they have to be very, very careful. Yeah, there are all these different little aspects. One thing I really appreciated being able to go back and watch every episode is there are all these little small questions that get answered in every little episode. For example, why are they these elementary school girls working in a store? Isn't that illegal? And (laughs) (laughs) they're able to figure out that one as well. It's like, oh, we're just helping out this old lady. It's not like we're actually working. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many side characters. So um, much in the way that like a traditional witch series is based on the idea of like going through everyday shenanigans but also someone happens to know magic. It's very much that in this case where 
They're third graders, I believe. So they're eight years old and they are just going through everyday life stuff dealing with, uh, you know, I think there's an episode basically dedicated to every student in their class. So we get to know each and every character throughout the series. It is every character. I made a little list and when I was watching it. That's great. But yeah, so so we get to experience that aspect, which is really, really interesting, I think. Because even though it's about these girls, it's really about also like everyday school problems. And um, sometimes magic isn't even the answer to the problem, which is also very interesting. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I guess let's start talking about the characters. Uh, So shall we just start with our title character, Doremi? Oh, yes. I really like Doremi a lot. I think she's a very relatable girl. She's not quite good at school. She's a little full of herself, but in a way that a kid normally is. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I was not doing well in school, so it was very nice to watch a character on the show not be great at school, but it not be, like, this big-ish deal. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it was still something people would talk about or they'd make little comments, but it was just very much just like, oh, yeah, that's Doremi. There's definitely a balance as well between the three, especially in terms of mm. the things that they're good at. And yeah, I do think that Dormi is a very interesting main character because I guess it's less and less as the series goes on. But her catchphrase is that she is the most unhappy girl in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> it's so adorable because it's so absurd. And like you said, it's absolutely something that a kid would say and believe times it's translated to like the unluckiest prettiest girl that's true because she does say bishojo so she's saying she's still saying she's beautiful and i think that's very funny (laughs) yeah she's very funny oh another thing i liked about doremi is that she is sometimes very selfish but her selfishness never gets in the way of her wanting to help another person hmm that's true yeah i feel like the episode where she has to help pop go out on her own is the best episode of that (laughs) i like totally cried (laughs) in that episode it's so cute yeah me too it was just Mm. so nice like she's like well i have to practice but pop needs help and then every time she tried pop would kind of figure out beforehand but then right at the end pop really needed help and she was there for her it was very sweet (laughs) yes yes even though like the two sisters are basically fighting all the time because pop is like a genius little kid even though she's like in nursery school she's very very smart and she usually seems to know what to do in a very adult kind of way she's definitely got like her logic down in a way that's very very ridiculous for a kid it's it's a little hard to believe i mean i've definitely met some very very smart young kids but uh, it's pretty wild that that whole episode is like let her go on her own to the grandmother's house is like what she's like three or four (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely not like elementary school yes that's normal but not before then (laughs) oh my god (laughs) but yeah I loved that Pop's go-to when she didn't have money was to manipulate the store clerk into thinking she's this cute little girl. So she'd get it for just a little less. I thought that was very funny. Oh my God. That was so funny. Yeah, that was, she is very, very clever. It's very funny. (laughs) So uh, shall we talk about Hazuki? Oh, yes. Hazuki 
as a kid, I didn't like her at times. And I'm not sure why, because mm. she's so nice. Hmm. Like, she was very there for Doremi a lot. She was, she's very much her best friend. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's basically a lot of things that Doremi isn't. It seems like her character was almost written to balance out Doremi because she's very, she's very smart and her family is very rich. And uh, it's very interesting to see like the things that she uh, needs or doesn't need. And she's also much like Doremi, she's very much interested in helping others out. Like I missed out not getting to see the show as a kid because I know I would have enjoyed it even back then. But um yeah, I think Hazuki would have been my favorite at the time as well because she's kind of a little more book smart and she she keeps her glasses on during her transformation, which is like, I think the only magical girl that I know that does that. <laughs> it's very rare. And I think when she first transforms, she tries, but she can't get the shirt over her glasses. So it fizzles out. Yeah, yeah. She's the one that um, she she fails the, the time test <laughs> the first time around. <laughs> Yeah, from what I remember, she's generally a very formidable little witch as well. So she's kind of the character to balance out Doremi. Um, and then a few episodes in, we get Aiko, who is new to town. She has just moved from Osaka, which means she is my favorite character. <laughs> she's also my favorite character, hmm. especially in the English dub, because they change it to where she's from... The American South, but her town's called Buttercorn Ridge. Oh my god. Population 65. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I was just having a conversation, um, like, among some other people who know Japanese about, like, localizing dialects and um, how to handle something like that. And Population 65 is a bit much, but American South makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. I think that's really interesting. Oh, now I really want to watch this. <laughs> I want to hear Aiko in English. Um, but that sounds very... That makes sense to me. Yeah, for sure. They, like, pepper her speech with a lot of, like, southernisms, like two possums in the water hole. And it's like, that's not a thing. But okay. Is that a thing? I've never heard that before. <laughs> no, it's, they're all made up. I'm from the south. I've never uh -huh. heard anyone say that. It's interesting. Wait, where in the South are you from, if I may ask? I'm from Arkansas, but I've moved around a bunch, like Tennessee and North Carolina. Oh, okay, okay. My familiarity with the South from my family is Texas and Louisiana. Mm. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess if it's in Four Kids Studios, it might have been done in New York. So it's like what New yeah. Yorkers think Southerners sound like. <laughs> <laughs> It really was. It's yeah. it's not an a southern accent I've ever heard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, I see. But that's still, um, that sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why is she your favorite? It's because when I was little, there weren't a lot of like southern characters that weren't kind of like played as dumb or a little backward. It was just, Aiko is a smart girl who is very capable. She she's very quick she's very witty it was nice to see i felt very seen mm. by her in a way i don't know why because we're not very similar that's very interesting it's not exactly an accurate portrayal of <laughs> southern yeah. accents in any way but you still saw that as a kind of representation yeah i would say it's kind of similar for me because i gravitate towards um pretty much any magical girl that has a kansai dialect <laughs> 
they're not many, but there are some, and all it gets me every time. <laughs> so that's kind of the thing that instantly drew me to her. I also just generally like blue characters, but mm, yeah, yeah it, I mean, it depends. But the other reason why she's my favorite is just seeing the, I guess, representation of dealing with divorced parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I, I realized that that kind of representation is actually really important because even at that time, it wasn't really talked about as much, publicly speaking. Like, of course, there are people with divorced parents all the time. My parents are divorced. My uh, Japanese grandparents were divorced long before I was born. So divorce happens, but it's very rare and you just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting representation. I can see that it's something is going to happen probably regarding the relationship with her parents along the way. I mean, just like from what I've seen so far, it just doesn't feel quite finished exactly. Like it could be finished the same way that the whole season could have finished where it was. But I can see that there's a lot more to explore with that theme of her trying to understand and, you know, the very, very common situation in which a child feels that her parents' divorce is her own fault. It's a very, like, tragic thing, but it, it's very common, I think, for kids dealing with that. And then also, like, her single father trying to take care of her as well, I think is very interesting. In the English dub, it's handled really well. I think that's one of the few storylines they didn't change much of. Oh, okay. I remember as a kid, it was the first time I'd ever seen, like, divorce talked about hmm. this way. Where it's like the parents still very much like each other, but they can't be together due to these circumstances. And that like one of them, they still want to be in Aiko's life. Yeah. But there's just this disconnect that they just can't reach through yet. Mm. And you really get a feeling of like how sad that makes Aiko. It's very well done. Mm, That's really interesting. I want to talk more about that, but I do want to also get to the other characters first. Oh, yes. Let's go back to talking about Pop a little bit more, mm. Doremi's younger sister. I didn't know that she was going to become a witch also, so I was very surprised and kind of delighted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, what do you think about Pop? Pop was like my second favorite character as a kid, and she's still my second favorite character now. Hmm. She's just so fun and how she kind of like jabs it. Doremi's little personality quirks and she's like well I do this I'm so good but then she still falters in her own ways later on yeah it's very interesting like we said before she's so uh mature for her age but also in very uh, in a lot of other ways she's very much still a kid at first when she's interacting with the the witch Majorika she doesn't know that she is an actual frog mm-hmm. and i keep saying that like because the way that the the series draws these frogs they don't look like frogs at all <laughs> but uh yes yeah, she thinks that it's like a stuffed animal and she loves it and wants to take it everywhere and take it to school and it's a whole thing is <laughs> very interesting in the dub pop they called her caitlin and she called Majorica squishy like mr squishy Mm-hmm. That makes sense because her name in the Japanese, she calls her uh, Punyu-chan. So it's like Puni-Puni is uh, squishy. So it's very similar. Yeah. Mm. That's almost a direct uh, translation, actually. <laughs> I don't know where they got the Mr. part, though, because it was never like a joke of like, oh, Majorika, you're a girl, but they're calling you a boy. It was just very much like, yeah, Mr. Squishy. Hmm. That's a very interesting choice. 
I can't think of a reason why that would definitely like have to have happened, but that's an interesting creative decision. <laughs> I guess they wanted it to feel more like a name a kid gives a toy, so it's like a Mr. or Miss at the beginning. Hmm. But I don't know. It's a very interesting decision. Yeah. I guess we could just uh go into talking about Majorika then. Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Majorika or or just Rika. Because Majo just means witch, but all of the witches, you have to address them as witch as if it were their title, I guess. Mm. Yeah, so we could just call her Rika, but she is, she's running this shop and uh, she was a normal witch, but gets caught by Doremi. I remember as a kid thinking like, if you don't want to be called a witch, why do you run your shop like that? Like it's in the dark, you're sitting on a rocking chair, you have a cat, you're cackling. It's, hmm. you're not thinking it through, Majorika. I would definitely call you a witch. It's very suspicious. The way that the shop looks at the beginning of the series is very much what you would expect. Yeah, it would be like in any any fairy tale story. It's very witch-like. I don't know what she was expecting exactly. And it's very interesting because her job is to run this uh, shop, the Mahodo in, in Japanese. And uh, she needs to get money <laughs> to, well, mostly just to pay the tax collector, I think. But yeah Dela. yeah <laughs> yeah that's her job but she doesn't seem to be very good at it she has a very interesting relationship with Doremi especially I would say uh, she's always yelling at her and she's the one that like coins the word uh, Ojamajo so the bothersome witches in the English dub they're very wishy-washy on what they call them Sometimes hmm. it's like Team Doremi, because in the English dub, Doremi's name is Dory, Hazuki's name is Renee, and Aiko's name is Maribel, so it's Doremi. Ah. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll be like referred to as like witchlings. Mm-hmm. And then that's something that Dory was supposed to have said, they made it to where she made it up right when she transformed for the first time. But then everyone's calling them that. So it's like, did she make it up? Hmm. That's very interesting. Like she put on her outfit and said, "Like Fala de la Dong Ding, now I am a witchling." Oh, that's interesting. That's very cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they also have like equally extremely ridiculous catchphrases when they are transforming and using their magic in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting because they are all different catchphrases as well. Back to Majorica <laughs> in the English dub, she was basically the same character she was i think a little meaner sometimes interesting like i noticed that they changed some of her dialogue where she's like complimenting them to being like a snide comment it's like you did good but you could have been better oh interesting i see yeah so they made her like more sarcastic yeah hmm to be fair she's she can be very rude in japanese as well (laughs) (laughs) she talks like an especially like old person it's like the classic old person speak i guess so it's interesting because we don't really know much about her age or anything or any of the witches really (laughs) in terms of their age but at the same time she also does actually care for them which becomes more and more the case as like they continue on and improve and so on and then that i guess that leads us to majo ruka who is her rival and um the witch or magic frog that is teaching our fourth witch or well i should say fifth witch (laughs) i don't want to (laughs) not include um pop here but 
Pop is a is also a witchling, but she's very much not active most of the time. She's not taking any of the exams or anything. She's just not ready. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> uh, we have uh, yes, Ompu is our last character, our purple witch. Yeah. So, what do you think of Onpu and Majoruka? My rewatch, I loved Onpu a lot. I loved how kind of like she's like mean, like she's very mean and a little mm-hmm. bit and confident, but it's very earned. Like she knows she's very good, and we know she's very good. Mm-hmm. And like she's never venomous. She never really is mean on purpose. It's almost as if she doesn't quite get that what she said really might have hurt someone. Yes, because she's just saying the truth. Yeah, yeah. It's like not exactly about being rude. I mean, I would say she's rude, but she like just kind of always says what she means and she does she kind of doesn't mm-hmm. know how to change her words to be like softer, I guess. That was something I really related to as a kid cuz I had a bit of a problem with that. Like I'd say something and someone I'd hurt their feelings and I didn't quite get why I hurt their feelings cuz it was true, but mm. it was very nice to see that not be painted as a truly like evil character trait it was just like that's something she does yeah she's also like an extremely beloved idol character as well so she's just like everyone loves her to the point where it's kind of in the way it causes problems (laughs) actually another thing is uh i guess the way she uses magic she likes to break rules i guess or she doesn't Mm. quite understand why there are rules she kind of also learns her lesson, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. She had a pendant that let her do forbidden magic, which we were introduced to in the first episode. Where it's like, you can't change someone's mind. You can't heal someone. Mm-hmm. And I think there's another one, but I can't quite remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, Hazuki finds out the hard way that you can't heal people. She heals an animal, actually, but... Uh, it makes her sick, so she she gets her magic items taken away from her for a few days. Yeah, I actually don't remember. Let me just look that up real quick. Mm. Ah, okay, so magic cannot be used to heal others, like we said. It will cause the witchling to take on the injury if they do so. And yes, it cannot be used to manipulate people's hearts. Yeah, the very simple, uh, much like healing, you cannot um, you cannot bring people back from the dead or else you will die and then also the last one is uh yeah magic cannot be used for selfish reasons which is oh this one is not technically a rule of magic but it's like a rule for them yeah yeah it's very interesting in apu's case that she's just willy-nilly casting these forbidden spells to the point where she doesn't even see a problem with it with manipulating her own mom Hmm. yeah like if there was that episode where her mom was going to make like green peppers mm-hmm. for dinner. And she's like, oh, I hate green peppers. I'll cast a spell on mom to go get takeout. Yeah. And she just didn't. <laughs> it's like the most simple thing. And uh, it also caused her problems. Yeah. Because as a kid, you wouldn't think about it. But then rewatching it as an adult, I was like, yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, it's absolutely something an eight-year-old would do. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good opposition to the main girls who just like, yeah, we can't do forbidden magic. We need to be very careful and mm-hmm. we shouldn't use magic for just ourselves. It needs to help another person. Yeah, exactly. So it's very interesting. I did want to mention just very quickly because I'm seeing here on the Doremi wiki page in the dub only, 
there is an additional uh, rule, which is you can't use magic to change history. But oh, right. <laughs> there's no further explanation. Like because it's only in the dub, we don't know if that it can be called an official rule of forbidden magic or not. It was weird because they time traveled that one episode and then they were just like, well, it's in the rules. We can't change history. And I'm like, well, you you are by being here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Anyway, there's a lot going on with that. And Onpu in particular, because she just sees everything differently. She's approaching magic differently. And part of that is also because Majoruka, who we already know to be an antagonist, since she is her mentor, I think that is also part of why, you know, this is happening. This is the case. Maja Ruka is not a great person. I uh, know she's not. She's <laughs> so mean to, I think Majorika is her sister. That was a thing in the English dub that they were related. Was that a thing in the Japanese dub? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, I know they went to school together. Oh, interesting. They were like witchlings together. Oh, mm. Majoruka is voiced by Kathleen Delaney in English. Oh, I know her. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, I need to talk to my parents. She is the (laughs) one who took me to 4Kids Studios when I was 13. Ah. This is when she was working on Sonic X. But that is very interesting. That's so cool. But you know what? That checks out. Without even hearing her voice, it makes sense to me that she would get to voice her. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, her performance was my favorite. Yeah, she's really great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Majoruka is very... She's definitely, yes, an antagonist to be sure. But like, by the end, I don't know if it's just also because she also became a frog. That like, she has this completely... It's almost like she's forgiven. Like, she's kind of always in the same situation as Erika. And they're like, drinking together and all the time and playing <laughs> cards and whatever. It's very funny. Yeah. Becoming a frog, I imagine is a great equalizer. Yes. Yes, I do think so. It's definitely a very humbling experience, I think, for witches. But it's very interesting because there are like whole towns in the, I guess, magic world of witch frogs who never get to change back into witches. And they're just like, yeah, it's fine. We're happy this way. It's whatever. It's his life now. <laughs> We're frogs. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we haven't talked about the other world at all yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which world? But it is a very interesting place as well, for sure. We don't see it a lot because the girls only go there when they have to take exams. But those are always very interesting episodes as well. <laughs> in the other world, in English dub, was called the Lunaverse. Ooh, that's a nice name. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they made a lot of good decisions with naming stuff in the dub. <laughs> I like it because one thing that I find very interesting is that even in regular human world, the moon is always drawn with like a little face. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this small little background thing that's never really like discussed or acknowledged. But the fact that it's there, it makes sense that they would do something like the Lunaverse. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, shall we move on to talking about some favorite episodes? Oh, Yes. In the early bits, my favorite episode was episode six or seven. I'd had it pulled up. It was the one with the pathological liar. Hmm. Yes, episode six, a liar's first friendship. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was, I think it's the episode right after Eichel joins the team and like moves and stuff. 
So uh, she's very new to school. She's still getting to know everyone. And yeah, she talks to uh, Nobuko and she doesn't know that Nobuko is a pathological liar. <laughs> but it's very interesting to see like their reasons for this. And um, she's like, I guess, this classmate of this, the episode. Mm. She's very interesting. <laughs> I really liked how they did it because she was like, Oh yeah, she is lying and that's bad, but she's lying because she wants a friend and I think we have to kind of reach out and talk to her about it Yeah. instead of just being angry. I think that's a very good lesson to teach kids. Yeah, it's like kind of understanding that she clearly has a problem in that she can't stop lying, but Mm. there's a reason for it. So it's about looking into the reason and um, the way that they use their magic to, um, to deal with the situation is also very funny. Because, like, they find out that, you know, she's very good at telling lies. And she also likes to write stories. So she likes to make stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) And so she has this whole, like, detective story where the main character kind of is based on herself. And it's clear that, like, all the other people in the school are kind of also characters in her story. Doremi is a dog. It's very funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love at the end when Doremi confronts her and it's just like, why did you make me a dog? Yeah, that's all she cares about. It's like, whatever about everything else. It's like, but I'm a dog in your story. We have to talk about this. This is an issue. <laughs> yeah. Another favorite episode of mine was Hazuki-chan is kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. In the English dub, they changed it to where she was just spending the day with her uncles. Oh, She's trying to help them get their acting careers started, like with little pictures of them. Like they changed it to headshots. It was very weird. This was very clearly a kidnapping. Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, because yeah, it's very much uh, for anyone who hasn't seen this episode. There, uh, basically, what happens is two comedians because um, in Japanese comedy, uh, what we would say is the equivalent of stand-up, which is mankai, is uh, with two comedians working together to do an act these two are down on their luck and they decide they really really need some money to get their career going and they decide to kidnap a rich kid and (laughs) it's very interesting because by the end the girls start to help them out and it's really wild it's like uh they're trying to kidnap you but okay i mean i could understand that being seen as kind of a heavy concept for a different audience <laughs> yeah but it's just the way they did it where it's just like oh Doremi and Aiko think it's a kidnapping but it's just her uncles that she never mentions nor sees again and they <laughs> mention the police following them a lot for some reason but it's fine oh my god I need to watch this one for sure this is so amusing it's very fascinating I, I get why they did that but it's still really funny it sounds ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah She's so ridiculously nice to the point where they don't understand why she's helping them out. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's so nice. She turns them away from a life of crime. Yeah, exactly. They go back to uh, their dream of uh, becoming comedians. (laughs) (laughs) In the episode right before that, episode 18, don't use that in the forbidden magic. Mm -hmm. That one's also really good. It's a little bit sad. And there is a... Mention of a dog's death, so that's a bit of a trigger warning. Yes. I think it's one of those things where, I mean, generally, death is not something that comes up in a lot of these, like, really, really little kid Magical Girl series, because Mm -hmm. 
it's a heavy topic, but I think it's important to be able to address it in something like this that's usually so playful because, uh, mm. and yeah, in that case, that's a matter where their classmate seems to love animals but doesn't anymore. She doesn't want, to, want anything to do with them anymore because she lost her pet. And dealing with death is so hard for kids. Like, I certainly still remember the first time I had to deal with that. I was a little bit older, but it still hit me pretty hard. Mm. And that's a hard thing. And some kids, they have to deal with it really early, you know, whether it's a pet or someone in their family or something. And what I really liked about the episode is how realistic the classmates relationship with animals felt like she's just like, Oh, I don't want to get close to another one because I'll just lose it too. Yeah, exactly. I think animals, especially like in pets, it's a that's a big topic because, um, well, an animal's lifespan, especially the ones that we keep as pets are often much shorter than human lifespan. So like, it's very natural for that to happen to a kid. And to the point where it's kind of like you'll buy your kid a fish because you know it won't last long. <laughs> yeah. So that way they can experience death in this very microscopic kind of way. Hmm. That's an interesting way to put it. I hadn't thought about that before, but... Like, it's still a big deal. Yeah. But... yeah I suppose that's probably the way that some... Um... Actually, now that I think about it, my first animal death was when I was seven, but it was a snail. Mm. Oh. Yeah. My host class in second grade got pet snails and... Yeah, mine um, got dropped and the snail, the shell broke and I was very sad. Yeah, but I really did love that snail. And even to this day, I still love snails very much. And people think I'm weird. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was a fish Mm. when I was like five or six. Mm -hmm. It broke me, but Mm. it's like a big thing. And for sure, there are definitely kids that would relate to that as well. And then it also is related to the main story, like we said, because it explains about forbidden magic. They kind of finally learn, oh, that there are actually major rules to magic that you cannot break um, unless you want to get in like serious trouble. So, And it was very good because it's like, even if you're doing it to help someone, it's still forbidden and you have to be careful. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's also like a good stealth lesson of showing kids that it's like, it's good to help people, but don't take on too much of the burden. That's yeah, exactly. It's a good point. I think you had some ideas where we're talking about uh, episodes regarding Aiko's storyline, right? And her parents. Yes. Episode. I, I think I want to see my mother where Aiko's mom shows up around the school and she's like, she doesn't want to confront her, but she just kind of wants to see her. Mm-hmm. And then she gets this kind of opportunistic moment when a member of the SOS trio, one of their classmates, <laughs> yeah. kind of is a little late. <laughs> mm. um, so she's like, can you give this note to my daughter mm-hmm. so I can like meet her before I have to get back on the train? But then he doesn't give it to her in time. Yeah. It's like the first time that anyone actually sees Aiko publicly dealing with her mother's like not being her life. And it is really sad because like it's a whole misconnection thing, which is like something that can happen. and. You know, at the same time, she also finds out that her father has been stopping her letters from her mother. Oh, yeah. That part still made me mad. I was like, they tried to explain why he did it, but I was like, I don't care. That's horrible. Yeah, that's just, that's messed up. Yeah. Hmm. Like, if that had kept going into adulthood, that could that's like a relationship ender, almost. I would say so, yeah. Because that's like, I mean, you cannot stop someone from getting their mail. That's not right. Anyway. 
uh, Aiko's father is a very complicated character. Mm. But it's a, also very interesting because this whole thing leads to the girls deciding, oh, we missed your mother, so let's go to Osaka <laughs> using magic. So we don't know where the characters are based, actually. But from the sound of it, it's probably somewhere in the Kanto area. So it would be a very long trip. Mm. So it was very funny the way, like, in a later episode when this gets addressed again, she tells her father, like, oh, yeah, that day we went to Osaka and, like, there was no questioning of, like, how did you guys get there? <laughs> <laughs> it was really wild. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very, it's very far. If you're living in Kanto and want to go to Osaka, that's a few hours, Oof. even if you're taking the bullet train. If you're taking the bullet train, that's also very expensive. So it's pretty uh, interesting. They kind of mention impossible stuff to their parents all the time. And the parents are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's just our kids. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that like the kids do that at first they don't quite exactly question. It depends on the situation, but it's still like, hmm. I mean, especially <laughs> like we said before, um, there is an episode where the school finds out that the girls are maybe working at a place. And so there's a whole scandal because children can't work child labor laws which is like oh yeah that makes sense and then they get the parents involved and everything so it's a whole mess <laughs> that episode's also so interesting because their teacher's just like something's going on here oh yeah but i can't figure out what because there is very clearly an adult woman here yeah the teacher is very interesting she's like one of my favorite characters um, she's like <laughs> so cool so ridiculously cool I'm jealous that they have a teacher like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But yeah, uh, do, do you want to say anything else regarding the storyline with Aiko's parents? It's very interesting because it doesn't, it doesn't end with the parents getting back together this season or really truly solving anything in their relationship hmm. other than like a little bit of Aiko. Like it still has an ending, but it's not quite... Mm -hmm. It's not finished. Yes, I would say so. Like, it gets revisited l really late on uh, episode 47, I believe, where due to the trip to Osaka, there's a whole series of, again, misunderstandings where um, Aiko becomes convinced that her mother has remarried and had a baby in the time that they've oh, been apart. Yeah. That's really devastating, of course, because she thinks, oh, I'm not her kid anymore. But at the same time, I'm trying to figure out the timeline for how long they've been divorced as she thinks that her mother could have had like a full baby and everything. <laughs> but she tells her father this. Oh, yeah. That's the main problem. And so he is convinced that she's moved on. And there's a whole thing where his boss is like, oh, I want you to meet my daughter. Um, it would be nice to get you arranged to get married. It's like, huh? <laughs> what? The whole thing is, it's very awkward. You know, cause, especially because it's a workplace thing. Is that kind of common in Japan? Because that feels very weird, but I don't, mm. I don't know if it's something I can cast judgment on. Well, I can't comment exactly, but I can say that like the two top places where people meet their partners are at work and at school. Mm. And I do think that's common in most countries. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I certainly I met my husband at work, so I'm the same. As far as arranged marriage goes, that's not necessarily as common, but it's very clear from the meeting because they do 
go through with this meeting of this woman and everything. And she's clearly very into him as well, even though Aiko is trying mm-hmm. her best to ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very traditional. So I would say it's probably the case still with some very traditional families, but I'm not an expert on this particular topic. Because to me, it's just like, oh, your boss is trying to set up an arranged marriage with his daughter. It's like, ugh. That feels like a power dynamic issue. That does, doesn't it? Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of weird. But, you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, as we'll get into later, I would say that this story is definitely set in a very different time. So, Mm. yeah. I guess, oh, there's one more episode we need to talk about, right? Regarding Onpu. Oh, yes. Yes. Episode 49. It's my favorite episode of the first season. Hmm. I think it does some of the best work in terms of like an emotional story with like some fantastical elements. And it really showcases Anpu's overall character arc and it reaching its kind of conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I would say that if you want to try this show out and you don't really care much about spoilers, I would try this episode because it's kind of emblematic of also what the show becomes in the future. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. It's much more on the emotional side of things than comedy. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very emotional episode. We get to learn a lot more about Onpu's like own history and you know everything. Hmm. You can definitely watch that episode out of context without knowing much about their characters because by that point, Onpu's by the end of the series, she's kind of not really trying to do as much bad magic <laughs> hmm. as it were. At first, she was really going willy-nilly with everything. Sometimes like, oh, I want to get the audition. I have to like convince the entire audience with magic that I'm the right person so I can get hired. But yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. But that does make sense. My favorite bit is when like her rival of the episode who's going after the same part is like very nervous. So she Mm -hmm. uses forbidden magic to cure her of her, um, what's the word? Stage fright? Yes. Yes. And in doing so, like, breaks her magic charm that lets her cast forbidden magic, but she doesn't quite realize that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting because the charm broke doing selfish magic for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. There's sometimes, especially with Oompu's character, there's a lot of gray area. And uh, that definitely does get into, I guess, the ending ending, if you want to talk about it. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) The ending to me is so interesting because I think in episode 50, they do their final exam, they pass, they get their palans. Is that what they're called? Their wands? Yeah. So before that, they're always using wands. But once you become a full witch, you don't need a wand anymore. You just have one magic stone. Mm. I'm trying to remember if it has a special name. I think just I think it's just a crystal. A magical crystal. Mm hmm. So they get it and it's all good. Mm-hmm. But then they get discovered by their class and then Anpu casts a spell to make them all forget. And then that's like super bad because she changed the hearts of so many people. So she gets inflicted with a sleep curse and she'll sleep, I think, for a really long time. Yeah, they specify a hundred years in Japanese. <laughs> Which is really intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is forbidden magic, like they said. It's very interesting because, I mean... It's also a very like anxiety inducing episode because the whole episode you're seeing 
you're discovering everyone kind of starting to figure out what's going on with the girls because they're while they're taking their tests, they're kind of just flying around on their broomstick all over the place and people keep seeing mm. them and they're like, Oh, did you see? Yeah. They're following them and they're like, Oh, did you see? And it's like, Yeah, and then they're all just in this big group. And you're like, oh, they're going to be found out. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous as a kid. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. They, it's And of course, because they had just become witches, that would mean that they would all have just become frogs. But Ompu rescued them from that by using the forbidden magic. So again, she did she, a sacrifice to help out everyone. And yeah, it was very, very um, intense and scary because... Suddenly, Ompu's in the hospital, and they have to figure out what to do. And we see them, they each get to use some magic, like, one last time before they uh, they finally sacrifice their magic in order to bring her back to life. And it's very, very sad. It's very interesting yeah. what they had to do. It was um magical stage, which is something they did so often as, like, witch trainees. But now as witches, it's, I guess, forbidden yeah, the magical stage, I mean, this is like, again, like something that is definitely made for the toys. But mm. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was like, if they combine their powers and spend just a, like one extra, I guess, spell drop each, they can do like an extra special thing. And they basically are making a wish. Mm. And uh, sometimes it's very mysterious how the wish comes true, but it always works out. And it's interesting that that final time it is, yeah, to revive her and even pop comes in to assist with the little magic she can do bless her heart (laughs) Um, and it's just very very um but yeah and so because they did all that that means at the very very end of the series they no longer have any magic and that broke me as a kid i was like no they need to make their orbals bigger what about patina Mm -hmm. i just couldn't wrap my head around it's like why would they do this this was gonna go forever yeah it's very interesting as we said like the series was definitely originally written to be one season long and it definitely feels like it's closing out the season in a way that sounds like yeah we could finish here and it would be done and that's fine but it was so popular that by the end of the season, they had already gotten approval to do another season. And of course, uh, this show has, like we said, several seasons. Goodness, is it five seasons? I don't remember. No, it's four seasons. And then a 13 episode OVA. Yeah, yeah. The OVA is nice show. That's 13 episodes. Then there's the net animation, Omurai Gekicho. And then there are the 10 light novels. Oh, and I want to read those so bad. Also four movies. Oh, yeah, that would be so great. I am. I don't know when I will get my hands on the light novels because I definitely would have to watch everything else mm. first <laughs> <laughs> because the light novels are uh, they have an older target audience and they are set where they are teenagers up until actually like young adults. And it's just so fascinating to me that the series was able to extend for so long and honestly Dormy is so popular even internationally mm. I feel like that it's very surprising that they wouldn't translate a book like series like that I but know. <laughs> yeah the light novel um game there are a lot of translated light novels nowadays but magical girl novels very few are being translated <laughs> it's very sad oh, it's yeah. like just the dark stuff so far but yeah, yeah. Which is fine, you know, it's those deserve to be read too, but 
you know, we want the cute stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> I read Magical yeah. Girl Raising Project. I liked it. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, before we finish up, we do need to talk about the issues with the series. Oh. Oh, wait, before yeah. we get into that, I wanted to talk about two more okay. interesting things from the English dub. Sure, please. Some of the names were changed, like the thing they used to transform was called a dream spinner, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that makes sense. That's and the cute. wands were called um, wandlers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And to cast magic instead of doing like their little phrase and then saying what they want, they had to do a rhyme. Mm-hmm. which was very cute. And I prefer that over the Japanese dub almost. That's interesting. That's a very, uh, that sounds like very Western fantasy spell book sort of thing to me. Cause like that happens in Disney descendants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Mal has to use, she has to rhyme in order to be able to use any magic, even if she has to make it up on the spot. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a cute detail they did with that was that like, Sometimes when like the spell was supposed to fizzle, they'd make the rhyme slant instead of being like a perfect rhyme. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I thought that was just good and I wanted to mention it. That is so interesting. Yeah, very great information. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like, you know, I've said time and time again on this podcast, that I'm very pro-dub. I know a lot of things change, especially for a kids series, but I think it's really that's good. Like there, a lot of creativity can come out of those localizations. And I think that they are valid because, you know, they're appealing to the local kids. Yeah. I'm also yeah. pro dub. I think it's just, I don't agree with some of the changes that have to be made. Like, I don't think you need to make it take place in America, but I think it's good because it's like, I have some attention issues. So it makes it difficult to read subs a lot of the time. Sure. So it's nice to be able to put on like a magical girl show that I like while I'm working. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is definitely not just for kids shows, but like generally speaking uh, for um, dubs, that's something that people tend to ignore, I think. And it's really important to remember that like, yeah, not everyone can like read a lot of text all the time and just be staring at their screen. Mm. Um, It's important to acknowledge that as well. So yes, shall we get into the negative parts? Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So I would say that You can get away with watching the series and just skipping episode 43. Just don't even think about it. It doesn't exist. And it would become a much better series. Yes, that's what I did on my rewatch of the Japanese version. (laughs) Okay, very interesting. I'm curious, that probably was not in the dub at all, was it? It kind of was, actually. It was Really? That was not the episode that got cut. The episode that got cut was episode 30, where they go and meet the ghost with the kid. Huh. That's yeah. so interesting. So ghosts are no, but child abuse is okay. Well, luckily mm. they edited out the physical aspects. It was just verbal. Okay. But it's still not great. Like you shouldn't yeah. drive your kid to tears by yelling at them. Yeah. Okay. So before, just in case for anyone who hasn't watched the series. So oh, again, yes. please skip this episode because this episode is centered around Tamaki, who is kind of a bully at school she's like that stereotypical like she wants to be the most popular girl at school she's kind of rich and she uh is definitely spoiled and wants to be more spoiled but the thing is like she's like so bad at being a bully that she just gets ignored most of the time yeah but things are a bit 
different once Onpu comes around because Onpu is like all these different things that Tamaki wants to be, I would say. Mm-hmm. Her given name is Reika, but so this episode, uh, this also has to do with Onpu's like thing of being very blunt, but um, there's this kind of discussion about parents yelling at your kids or getting angry at your kids being a sign of love. That's already kind of weird to start. Yeah. I can understand to a point like, yeah, your parent is strict with you because they care about you. Like that could work as a lesson. But the way that this episode takes it is um, it's not good because Rudeka is... So she becomes convinced thanks to Ombu that her father doesn't love her because he never gets angry at her, which is so absurd already. (laughs) Um, But again, this is kid logic at work for sure. I've heard weirder theories from kids when I was in elementary school, so. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't quite understand the logic of this, but the idea is that the reason why her father doesn't get angry at her is because when he does get angry at her, he hits her. Yeah, I think that's that's too far. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a reprimand or being like, oh, you shouldn't do this. I think that's very different like Anpu's parents are very structured and they kind of make her schedule right but they're not physical with her ever (sighs) yeah it's just it's such a weird episode it doesn't make sense because yeah the logic is basically saying it's excusing the behavior to start right yeah completely yeah so it's saying like he can't help it because he of his love his anger drives him to do this physical act of violence and it just like blew my mind when I saw it. And I was like, wait, why is this the lesson of this episode? I mean, we're talking about a very late episode of the series, right? 43 is near the end. And there have been so many great episodes with so many great lessons at this point. And so many you know? great moments with the parents. Yeah. And it just hits her on the face mm-hmm. too, which is mm-hmm. like, that's bad. Like that's a no, no, I think everywhere. Uh, yeah. Even back then. Well, I mean, I definitely, well, okay, I've definitely been hit in the face by my mother at oh. that age. <laughs> Unfortunately, I would say, uh, especially at the time, it's not unheard of. It's kind of this thing, it's like a sign of the times. There's no way on earth a kid's show now, even in Japan, would have this kind of lesson, I think. I want to believe. But uh, uh, the... That lesson was weird, especially because the whole thing is also related to the fact that the first time we hit her, she was like four years old. Yeah. It's just really wild. And I was like, no, you need to be away from this child (laughs) if this is your reaction. If your go-to for punishing like an accident is that, ugh. Yeah, it's just very disgusting. But yeah, so just like, again, if you're going to watch this series, it's very easy to just skip this episode and not worry about it. It's, yeah, you're not really missing anything in terms of character development or anything like that. Just pretend it doesn't exist. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It never comes up again. Exactly. And then the other thing is a character who we have not talked about at all, actually. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oyajide. He does have a full name, but he's known as Oyajide. Yeah. And then in the dub, he's Frederico the Great. Or in another dub, his name is Daddio. Okay, Daddio is probably a more direct translation of Oyajide, mm. but it also doesn't sound good. It's no. like equally 
not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you want to explain who Oyajide is? <laughs> he is a former phantom thief wizard who, due to breaking witch law, is sealed inside a magic computer to where now his function is to hunt down, like, curse cards or bad cards, which are basically, like, these little things that attach themselves to objects and then give people bad luck or other things. Yeah, they're literally called bad items in Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's his only job, is to find and collect those things. But the problem with him is that he is like this old man and because he's an old man and this is something that's like, I think especially at this time was more frequent. Now it's not so much, but it's definitely, um, I mean, mm, there's still these kind of characters sometimes, but it's not as frequent mostly because those kinds of characters are now a lot younger instead, which is also not good. But uh, he's like basically just this pervert all the time. In a way that's very uncomfortable because he doesn't seem to care about the age of the women that he's let going after, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, I understand in terms of the comedy aspect that LOL funny perverted old man is like a thing. But it was never necessary. Like, why does he have to be a weirdo with Anpu a lot? Especially Anpu. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, all the time, whenever there's a chance... He's like constantly gaslighting the girl saying like, oh yeah, the locker room or whatever. That's definitely going to have a bad item. Let's go there. Uh, I mean, that's an example. I don't actually remember if he actually says locker room, but like basically like that. That's how he talks all the time. They don't trust him because of that, which is like, you're literally bad at your job. (laughs) You have one job. (laughs) Yeah. In the English dub, they kind of change all that. He's just kind of become like a lazy do nothing, which I think is funnier. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense Like, if he was a criminal like who misused magic and is punished for it, it would make sense that like, he wouldn't want to do his job, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that whole other aspect of his personality is just like not even necessary, so. No, if you have to do it, he is an adult. Why isn't he going after the other adult characters that are in the show? Yeah, it would be so simple as opposed to like, Ompa is eight. It's Ugh, it's very Ugh. weird. It's a thing where, yeah, it's like a product of its time again, but that's not an excuse. <laughs> it was never necessary. And you can't even really skip stuff with him in it because it's all very, mm. it's important. Yeah, yeah, it's important for the plot. Like, it's about, I would say, midway through is when they get the first bad item, and then um, that's when they get entrusted with this computer. Yeah, it's just, it's strange. And this is just an interesting thing. They don't finish collecting the curse cards or the bad items. Yeah. It just kind of drops. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing is unnecessary. You could literally cut it out of the plot and it wouldn't change anything really. (laughs) It's weird. It's an unfortunate part of the series, but like, you know, there's so many good things about the series and he doesn't appear after this season, does he? He does, unfortunately. Oh, no. He's a big Yikes. part of the show. Mm. <sighs> oh, well. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, warning for daddy-o. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I mean, it's like literally the same pun, but it's so funny to hear daddy-o because it's like, it's very old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Frederico the Great. <laughs> it's like very Lupin energy. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, that being said, is there anything else you want to say about Dormy as a whole? It's really good. <laughs> I really recommend everyone try it at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're into like more slice of life shows. Yeah, it's very much akin to those older witchling type shows. It's a very interesting thing because it still continues to be popular, even though these days we don't have a lot of witchling things. And, you know, the expected audience at this point because of its age is definitely like adults now. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that leads us to our final question, which is, um, John, do you have a magical persona? Oh, I... I've had a few over the years. <laughs> okay, please share. <laughs> I had one when I was ki- a kid. I would never tell anyone, but I used to draw like little pictures of me as um, a witchling. Oh my goodness, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of now just have a magical person version of myself that I sometimes use as an avatar, but not much anymore. Hmm, I see. And... um. So is it because of, like, the rules of magic are much more loose in this particular series? So you don't have any ideas of what you would want to use your magic for? Do you think you would be uh, part of the same team if given the opportunity? Oh, yeah, I would. I feel like I would definitely use forbidden magic sometimes. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) The whole series about how you're not supposed to use forbidden magic. You saw what happened to Onfu. <laughs> yeah. You know, so Onfu had it right a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, but she means well, but it's still like breaking the rules. <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> mm-hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast to talk to us about Doremi today. So where can people find you and follow you? And also, can you please tell us about your own Magical Girl works? Um, I believe I can be found under the name Hero Kibs on all major social media. And mm-hmm. I have a couple of things. Two of them have not been release but one's on hiatus because a pandemic it's very hard to create but sure my primary webcomic is called toil and trouble paranormal investigation club and it's about like two witches who try to help ghosts cross over in a boarding school mm. it's very inspired by ojimacho yeah yeah i can hear it <laughs> in the name <laughs> uh, that sounds really interesting okay Um, And can you tell us about your other ideas, even if they're not out there yet? One is a magical girl tabletop RPG that's also a gamified version of like Little Witches, because I noticed that there wasn't a lot of that out there yet. Ooh. Okay, you definitely need to finish that so that we can play it over in the Discord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that definitely sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then another is just a series that I've been working on for fun. I think you would have seen it in the Discord. Mm-hmm. It's like these five to nine girls who get picked by like the Greek muses to protect the world from like evil monsters. Sounds very fun. Yes, I've definitely seen some of the art for that. It's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Greek gods and stuff is very classic, so sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yes, thank you again for coming on the podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes, yes. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a good night. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fi.com slash with Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.